So hello everybody and welcome back to Falcon Falcons. Apologies that this week uh, it's a bit later in the week than usual. We'd love to have a good excuse but just been busy and hadn't got around to it. Um, joining me as ever is Ian. Hi everyone. And you can find us on social media. Yeah so um, as usual on Facebook if you type in at Falcon Falcons you'll see our picture. Twitter's the same at Falcon Falcons. And if you'd like to send us a direct email, it's folkonfalcons at mail.com. So this week we'll um, review our capitulation to Leicester. You'll remember our friends um, from Bristol, um, the Bears Beyond the Gate podcast. We linked up with them last week before our Leicester game, actually. So there's a couple of references to them hoping we'll beat them, which turned out to be incredibly, um, what should we say, rose-tinted. Optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh, We'll uh, quickly uh, have a roundup of the other results. So um, I don't think there's many places further to start than the, the match against Leicester. We, we went into it hoping we'd give a good roll of dice in Europe this year. And I think we uh, rolled a double one, didn't we? Yeah, well, exactly that. I mean, we spoke about the threats they posed and we had to be really sort of on top in terms of upfronting to their physicality, trying to stop the driving mall. Um, but quite frankly... Uh, we just didn't, did we? Um, it was kind of the, the nightmare. We kind of wish that we could have avoided. Um, again, like every like every week, the same failing of giving a team a very easy start. So you know, straight away already chasing the game. Discipline sort of went out the window. I mean, a lot of it was the scrums. I think the referee got a very good impression that we were just going to be awful at the scrums and just pinged us every every scrum. And you can't win a game if you give away a penalty in every scrum, rightly or wrongly, um, if, you know, in terms of whether they should be given or not. But also, we it was just sort of unforced errors. When we did start to get into the game more, we did sort of get into their 22 or try and get some moves together in their half. We kind of just did these devastating unforced errors, which would lead to... For example, like if it's a knock-on, we would just give away the penalty from the scrum. They would kick it down, driving more or cut the phase of play, try for Leicester. And that was kind of the story of it. And the, the only positive was that obviously the times we were down to 14 men, which were quite a few times, we defended really well and sort of didn't roll over by any stretch. But yeah, it, it was pretty sort of disappointing stuff, really. If we could just focus on the scrums for a second. Um, the first scrum, um, he penalised us. And basically, I wasn't quite sure what he penalised us for. He was on Trevor Davison's side. Um, when they engaged, uh, Davidson's arm wobbled, um, didn't go down, scrum stayed steady, but Roman Poit, as he often does, seems to just favour the team with a bigger reputation. So, penalty to Leicester. A couple of scrums later, he gave a free kick for us basically pushing early. Um, I'm not sure how much that was pushing early or how much was Leicester taking a step backwards, being quite quite clever in what they were doing. But then the next time that happened and he gave a penalty. And that kind of set the tone for the match. Trevor Davison went off um, with a head injury. Not quite sure how he sustained it. Um, I don't think there's any suggestion of anything untoward. But then we brought on... Oh, we didn't have Welsh because Leicester saw to him the other week. So we brought on Cooper. And in summary, he's just... I think he was just shown to not be a... A tight head of sufficient quality. Um, we he got simbined, then um, Tampin came on once again. He was exposed, it ended up with Muapola moving across, and it turned out that he was actually our best loose head, irrespective <laughs> of the fact that he's normally our best tight head. And yeah, the, the simbins followed. The game ended up with us with 12 men because we had a red card because Cooper got simbined twice, Tampin got another yellow, and then um. Because it went to unforced scrums, we had to forfeit a man. That's the, the rule at the minute that I think it's quite right, to be honest, if you have to go to uncontested scrums, you forfeit a man. But it made me think when that happened, we should have just got two of our props in the first 10 minutes to headbutt each other. 
and go down to uncontested scrum straight away because I think we'd be better off playing the whole 70 minutes remaining with 14 men as opposed to just giving away every time there's a knock-on to give away 40 metres when there's a penalty as a result of the scrum and we just we, you can't get a foothold in the game like that. At times in broken play, we look quite good. Like Penny's try was a nice one, but it was always just too little, too late tracing a game. Yeah, I mean, obviously you mentioned about the scrums there. You, you just can't win a game in those circumstances. I can't remember a game like that really at any level where one side has been penalised and dominated so much of the scrum. Um, I mean, Penny's try was really, really good, but that was kind of it, wasn't it? Though the only what kind of kept us in the game was sort of resolute defence and um, sort of flashes of brilliance like Penny's try. I mean, eventually just kind of told in the scoreline. I don't think in the end it was kind of too flattering on the balance of the play, but um, obviously they just had kind of dotted down when we were down to 13 men at the very end. But yeah, um, it's as you say, um, it was just really sort of disappointing. A couple of positives perhaps, but yeah, it was a real chance to kind of progress in a competition where I think we could have gone some way in. Um, Leicester were beatable, yes, and the I, I mean, arguably perhaps the form team in the league at the moment, but it was, it was always going to be very tough. But it's just kind of disappointing to sort of have the mass kind of perhaps optimistic elements of the season sort of gone out the window, really, unfortunately. Yeah, I think that um, we've mentioned the scrubs a lot, but once again, some questions have to be asked about our defending out wide. Um, once again, looked like Stevenson stepped in a couple of times and gave them the overlap that they put away. Like Harry Potter, what a name. His first try um, was a result of Stevenson turning his shoulders in and they just put it outside him and you can't cover. But it's a couple of times covering defenders just kind of got brushed off tackles again. And yeah, you say you can't remember a game with the scrums like that. I think I've had a couple in my time. Uh, one, I was playing junior rugby and it was just one of these things where it's in- instantly uh, uncontested scrums from then on because it's just not safe. And the other one was uh, I was playing a senior game and the referee in that circumstance, actually, he didn't sin bin the props. He started sin binning the second rows. He said they weren't pushing hard enough. And that's why the scrum was going backwards because he very soon realised that that the opposition were basically trying to put the referee in the position of making it so uncontested scrums would happen. And it, it wasn't a safety issue in that respect. It was more the referee saw what they were trying to do and he just started submitting players that weren't the front row, which I think adds a bit of a different dimension. Didn't really solve it, that <laughs> it was still 40 yards further down the pitch, but at least... Um, you don't end up with the forced uncontested scrums because of sin bins. Because I think that, if I'm honest, um, if you sin bin players and then end up with an uncontested scrum, does it actually benefit the team that's winning penalties every scrum that often? I don't I don't think it does. So I think that referee was not sure whether it was within the uh, realms of the rule book, but it was, I think, quite a sensible thing to do. We mentioned our moments of brilliance. Um, obviously, the only, you, said, you said moments. I can think of moment, singular. Um, Penny's try was quite nice. Um, it was just kind of one of these really simple things. They hoofed it down the pitch, and instead of hoofing it back, we actually ran with the ball and exploited a bit of space in a, an unmatched man-on-man opposition. Yeah, I think I think also one of the things that kind of held us back was, and you mentioned sort of their first Harry Potter try, um, was that when they sort of did kick throughs behind our defence, the way they kicked it meant that the ball kind of span in, in play. When every time we tried it, our kicks just weren't of the same quality. We tried to get in behind and our kicks just sort of went into touch. And yeah, all right, it's good field position, but it doesn't get you the try. Or, or doesn't sort of create panic, you know, uh, with the full back and the wing. When you've got a bouncing ball five minutes from your line. Um, so I think actually little moments of quality, as well as obviously the upfront physicality and the scrums and the malls, little things like that. You know, it's just one thing after they kind of obviously sort of turned it on its head against us. I think another disappointing thing actually was that it was by no means, I mean, it did end pretty 
well, very strong Leicester team, but the first half especially, it wasn't their first choice team. And it was our team was pretty much almost as strong as we could put out. And I think it was actually better on paper than the team that played them in the league a couple of weeks earlier. Um, so I think that was also pretty disappointing as well. Yeah. Um, one thing that I, I can't stand off and hear at the minute, but one thing you did point out, which was quite right, is that our kick chase was horrendous. We do a lot of these aimless kicks. And it's not like we have one person tearing up just to create a bit of a nuisance and everyone else trundling up behind or we go up kind of a structured line. It was just a lack of effort um, on the kick chase and it just gives them as much time as they want to pick their spot. And when you've got quality opposition, they, they put you to bed. Um, and you mentioned at the end when it became very one-sided, I think it was quite telling actually that um, Ford, who's allegedly one of the best flyers in England, it was taking him several fl- phases of play to score against 12 men from a set piece. And I think that um, that kind of sums up some of the things we said earlier in the Six Nations, that is he actually a natural fly half? I'm sorry, but I cannot imagine that Johnny Wilkinson's Dan Carter is the best in the world, or even just your, your second-tier fly halves that are natural fly halves would not be able to orchestrate a first-phase score at pretty much every opportunity at that level of the game. I just I found it staggering watching Leicester have to go through two or three phases to score, not scoring from first phase ball against 12 men. Yeah, I mean, we probably should coach it because it was pretty rubbish that we had 13 men as our own fault, but um, I was quite surprised at the time how difficult it was for them, as you say, to kind of orchestrate just what you would have thought a couple of walk-in tries and just kind of get the phases going. We seem to, until the very, very end, feel of it really well, which is, I guess, is, yeah, I mean, I was, I've talked about the positive defence. I think that was the positive. And when we were really hands to the pumps, down to 14, 13 men, we did sort of have a good account of ourselves in defence. But yeah, yeah, I think you're right about Ford there. I mean, his kicking was was really good, wasn't it? He slotted everything. I mean, fair enough there. But you're right. I think they made kind of hard work of putting us to, to the sword, really. And I think the score in the end, reflected sort of their dominance. But yeah, they made hard work of it, I thought. Yeah, so I guess out the cup now, we've got the league to focus on. Realistically, what have we got to actually focus on? Are we going to meet top four or top six? Top six at a push, but we've got to have a, a cracking run of form and a few other results go our way now. So I think that basically we're playing for pride now this season, which is a shame because we started so promisingly, but just we haven't got the depth in the squad to be able to maintain it as and when these injuries have occurred. If we If we kind of... Look at that. What does it mean? It means that we're going to be in the Premiership next season and the Challenge Cup again. I'm not quite sure what format the Challenge Cup will take. I don't think anyone can predict too much in the future at the minute, but it could mean that um, we get some exciting trips to Eastern Europe as opposed to your boring old France's or whatever, because um, it could be that some of the Georgian teams or Romanian teams or maybe even Russian team qualifies, but um, it depends whether Putin decided to invade Ukraine by that point in time, I guess, whether whether we'll be able to go. Yeah, that, that's kind of... Kind of it. See you in Tbilisi next year. Not sure there's much else to look forward to in terms of Falcons in the immediate long-term future at the minute. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, it's as you say, sort of playing for pride, but I've, you know, you've got to kind of deal the cards that we've now been dealt with, and I think we can sort of use it as a platform to kind of just build a build a sort of confidence, a few wins, and kind of look to next season already. Um, you know, if if we can say if we win half our games, you know, remaining this season, you would sort of think, well. It started well, disappointed didn't finish in the top six, but as a, generally as a Falcons season, especially we've just come from the championship, you know, this is pretty successful. Um, so this, it's still in our hands to kind of do that and to end things on a positive note. I think the worst case scenario would just be that we sort of lose almost, you know, or if not all the remaining games and it just kind of, we've, you know, we've essentially almost stayed up because they've got a relegation, but you know, we do have the chance to kind of have, end it on a bit of a positive note. And I hope that they sort of 
well, do manage that for kind of everyone's sake. But yeah, I think also keeping one eye to sort of building things the next season. Let's try some new things, maybe. Try some new tactics, try some new styles of play, try some new personnel, some of the younger ones coming through. You know, if, we, if you're going to try them, especially in a Premiership Cup, now's the time to try it. So I hope they sort of go down that route, but we'll have to see, I guess. Yes, and um, if we start saying let's focus on a few more games coming up, then the, the next one we've got is against Bristol. Um as we mentioned at the start of the show, we spoke to Pete from Bears Beyond the Gate, which is um, the Bristol Bears kind of fans podcast. Um, so there's a, there's a few references to the match the weekend, which because this was filmed or oh, sorry recorded last week, so it's a bit bit funny in places it might sound, but um, still interesting. And I uh, hope you enjoy it. So hello everybody, welcome to Pete again from Bears Beyond the Gate. Um, we spoke to him around Christmas time. He's our kind of Bristol equivalent, if you want to say that, with the, in the podcast world. Ian's joining me as usual, and um, if you want to listen to a few questions that we answered to him, tune into their podcast. And now we've got a few that we're asking of him. So. Ian, first question. Yeah, so hi, Pete. Thanks very much for joining us again. Um, so, I mean, a lot has happened uh, since, obviously, we last spoke to you. Um, we have obviously taken a somewhat downward trajectory since then. But, I mean, with regards to Bristol, I mean, how do you think you've sort of kicked on since last time we met? Yeah, well, obviously, we've, uh, you know, we've we've done really well and, and we've sustained a kind of position at the top of the table. But I think the thing that has really been pleasing is that we've done that through... Um, having quite a few players missing through injury and also through international um, situations. And therefore, quite a lot of our kind of squad players have really stepped up um, to the to the mark and have and have done it. And actually, when you kind of analyse quite a lot of our wins, they they have been pretty close, apart from Bath, who we totally dismantled. Um, a few months ago, but actually quite a lot of them have been very close games. And, and in some respects, uh, particularly Northampton Saints and also um, uh, Harlequins, I mean, we were looking like we were dead and buried and then somehow came back from the death to win. So, you know, it's been a, we've, we've come out on the right side of a few close results. Our squad players have really stepped up. And then more recently we've, we've had the returning players from injury and, and internationals. And, 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 you know, we're, 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 I think we're 12 points clear now at the top. So, you know, it's been a, it's been a phenomenal few months and actually unbelievable really for Bristol fans. You know, it, this is something we haven't experienced for, for a long, long time, if, if at all, actually. So, so we're kind of really enjoying the ride at the moment. So you, you mentioned there the fact that the domestic fixtures have been going extremely well. I um, don't think anyone can argue with that. It looks like if it was conventional leagues when the winner wins, you'd be almost home and hosed by now. I can't see there being too many um, teams challenging for the actual top spot. Um, one thing that hasn't gone so well was Europe. Um, you got knocked out in the Heineken Cup by Bordeaux at the weekend. Um what was the, the main downfall in that? And is there anything that Falcons could potentially target during the game? Or do you think it's just a one-off? Um, it, yeah, I mean, it was disappointing. There's no doubt about it. And it was a disappointing second half. Um, it was actually a lot closer than the final score suggests because they scored a, a kind of run or interception try right at the end, which which added a few more points. I think the thing was that... that you know, Bordeaux are a good, a good side and they are, you know, we, we joked in our podcast that there's, they've only got three things going for them, size, speed and skill. But apart from that, you know, um, but 
first half, we, we matched them massively. And, and what killed us was our, our penalty count. Uh, we just kept giving away silly penalties. And Jalibert, who is, a, as you know, a, a top quality international fly half, just slotted penalties. He, he had five penalties in the first half. So we actually, we, we looked good. And we went, we went into halftime one point down. And then second half, they upped the game. They put us under pressure. And I think that is the lesson for teams that play us, is if we are put under pressure somehow, um, strong defence, you know, play on the on the edge of the laws, whatever, then we can, you know, get rattled. And our, and our, and our sort of fame system started to unravel a little bit. And in the end, we were kind of throwing it around, just hoping that Sammy Randranda would, would run through people. And of course, they were good enough to to shut it down. So it was disappointing. I mean, there was some chat, I mean, I know you said you hadn't watched it and there was, there was some issues with the ref and the TMO. There were some very marginal decisions that didn't go our way, could have gone our way in another time, but you can never really blame that. I mean, at the end of the day, we should have scored more tries and we should have uh, kicked more points. So, and, and shouldn't have uh, given away penalties in dangerous areas. So, yeah, I mean, I think for most people like yourselves, it, it shows that, that the Bears, you know, are human <laughs> and, and and like anything, I think you mentioned before that if you do the basics right and put us under pressure and and, and force penalties out of us, then, then who knows what will happen. And then following on from that, obviously we've got quite a challenging fixture at the weekend against Leicester and then into you guys. Um, do you think that the, the rest week that you've now acquired is going to be the sort of thing where it might be that you kind of lose the momentum or do you think it'll be the situation whereby you get to knuckle down and uh, basically blot out the areas which weren't so good in Europe I mean sadly for you <laughs> I think it's not the the initial I, I think we we will get have a nice break uh, because they've been under the pump for a long time actually like most premiership players have and as I said quite a few of our players have played a lot of minutes I'm sure that Pat will give them a nice little time off this week um, lounging around um, the sauna in the new high performance centre um, but I think that next week we'll have a very, very hard week of training and they will be tired. Pat will, Pat will not let, you know, any complacency come in. And I, 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 I kind of fear, I, I know I'm bound to say this, but I, I do kind of fear a little bit for you that I think we are, even though we're away and it's a, it's a difficult place to go and it, it may be cold. <laughs> um, I fear that we are going to try and hit you very, very hard, very, very early. Um, and hope. I think what we really want to try and do is get get away from you as quick as we can, and not try and get into an arm wrestle. Where because when we have done that in recent times, it's it's always been a bit tight. So yeah, I mean that's what I think. You know, it's we've got the players to do it. Um, we've got the coach that could motivate them to do it. So 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 I, I think it could be a difficult day for you. Um, but you know, who knows? Rugby's rugby. Anything can happen. Yeah, so I mean, uh, obviously we mentioned before um, you have a very strong and stellar squad, but if we just imagine for a second if Mr Lansdowne turned up at Kingston Park with his checkbook and said, I would like a couple of your best players, I mean, your opinion, I mean, are there any focus players that you think, I suppose, would really add to what is a really good squad at Bristol? Yeah, well, I mean, definitely I like the cut of uh, Adam Radwan's jib. There's no doubt about that. I don't. I think that you'd pay for pace anywhere. I think pace is really, really important and, and we have pace, but you can always add more. Um, so I think he would probably be the only one perhaps we'd add to the, the back line. But I think in the forwards, you know, although we have some pretty big beasts, you know, you can you, you always need to build your squad. And, and I would 
I would love Mark Wilson and probably Gary Graham. I think they would be real Pat Lamb advocates. He'd love players like that because they'd be players that put their body on the line for the team. They play the system. They're not showboating individuals. And I mean, to be honest, Nathan Hughes at the moment is looking a little bit overweight and sort of underpowered. And actually, number eight is an area that we've kind of been discussing on our podcast is potentially something we somewhere we might need to, to strengthen next year. So, I mean, so a, a Mark Wilson or a Gary Graham would uh, would fit in quite nicely, I think. Yeah, well, we've got quite a lot of strength and depth in the back row. So I think we'll definitely swap one of them for one of your centres or fullback, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> That's fair enough. So um, look forward to the game in a couple of weeks' time. I, I'm not sure. Um, I presume it's on BT Sport, isn't it? Um, so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe catch up again after it. I don't know. But um, yeah, thanks a lot for your time. And um, yeah, best of luck the rest of the season. And to be honest, I think that it's quite nice to see Pat Lamb leading a side to hopefully Premiership victory. Yeah, and, I, and, and likewise, I, I genuinely hope you do 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 one on um, on Leicester at the weekend as well. I think uh, they 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 could do with a bit of uh, a bit of a comeuppance at the moment. I think so. So good luck. So yes, you can you can hear some questions that we answered to Pete on their podcast, which you'll find at Bears Beyond the Gate on Twitter. Um, slightly different questions that he asked us, obviously, but along the same lines. Um, one thing we have to clarify is this was. Uh, recorded before the uh, the death of Prince Philip. Therefore, the kickoff time has changed. Um, Ian's got the details on when it now is. Yeah, so I mean, some of you may have seen already. I mean, the focus put on their website on their very social media. But just to confirm, um, it's now a 5pm kickoff this Saturday and it is on BT Sport 3. Um, so obviously, again, opportunity for people to, to tune in. But yeah, just to reiterate, reiterate that, it's now being moved to a 5pm kickoff, which also, for those who also want to watch the football, doesn't clash with that anymore. So I guess that, that's a positive at least. So elsewhere at the weekend, um, Bath beat London Irish 26 points to 13 in the Challenge Cup. Leicester beat us, as we've mentioned, 39 points to 15. Montpellier beat Benetton 31-25 and Northampton got pipped by Ulster um, 27 points to 35. Um, in the Heineken Cup, um, La Rochelle thrashed sale 45-21 and Exeter went down to Leinster 34-22. Then following on from that on Sunday, it was all French matches there. So we've got Bordeaux beating Racing 92-24-21 and Clermont Auvergne lost to Toulouse 21 points to 12. It's interesting that um, a lot of the English teams seem to be getting beaten overseas at the minute in Europe. Some of the better English teams, we've had Bristol, Sale, Exeter, all getting knocked, and Harlequins all getting knocked out within the last um, couple of weeks against overseas opposition. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, if you'd ask me just sort of who who your winners would have been in those in those well Champions Cup and Challenge Cup games? I probably would have pretty much picked the ones that did win. Um, I mean, there was some of those lots of surprises, especially the La Rochelle Sale one. But I, I, personally, I think it's just maybe because the French teams have really strong strength in depth at the moment, and I guess in Europe maybe that's kind of the difference because we've obviously we've obviously talked about the Challenge Cup. You get some English teams playing weaker teams, and in the Champions Cup, maybe that strength of depth someone gives them the extra leg up. I don't know, but I mean, we have seen a lot of French teams progress this season. I mean, well, this is now three French semi-finalists in the Champions Cup. But yeah, I mean, you know. It's hard to sort of put your finger on it, but I think that the really strong squad depth that a lot of these French teams now have obviously must kind of sort of weigh in their favour, I think. And then the draw's now been made for the semi-finals, so who was it we would have been playing? So, 
I believe we would have been home to Ulster, which would have been another sort of very, very tough game. Um, would have been nice, at least at home, I suppose. But um, yeah, uh, I suppose it's all sort of what ifs now. But yeah, it would have been at home for Ulster. Um, let's hope that the weekend against Bristol um, bears a bit more fruit than last weekend against Leicester, but um, not holding my breath. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's just an opportunity to sort of go out with sort of no fear and just sort of do what you can. Really, I think it'd be a miracle if you sort of get anything from the game. I think obviously they've kicked on from our reverse fixture against them, where we were the better team. We've obviously, you know, gone sort of massively downhill. Um, the breaks sort of cut. So yeah, I think we just sort of go out, play what we just try and do the best we can, give it a good go, and sort of see what happens. But I think you're going to be in for. Unfortunately, an unpleasant couple of hours. Um, so I think that summarises everything this week. <laughs> Unfortunately, there's not too much to be happy about, but hey-ho, such is the life of being a Falcons fan. So it's goodbye from me. Bye, everyone.